Yes, and good morning. We are so glad that you are here today. The, you know, I know you think this is different from your perspective. It's different from this perspective also. I've got a little wide angle, a wider angle to preach to. And, you know, there's always people who go, that stinking preacher preaches at me every single week. Well, I don't know where you are today, so if you ever thought I was shooting at you, I ain't today for sure. Oh, listen, it's so good. I'm so excited about this day of celebration, and we're just very excited. I love Ryan's prayer. How incredible was that? Blessing the food. Thanking God for the people that made today possible, and we're really grateful for all of that. All right, well, so we are in like week number three of our crazy gratitude. We're trying to go crazy over being thankful, and boy, we had a good time. You know, we started out the first week, and we talked about those 10 lepers, you know, remember those guys? And they were like socially invisible. No one wanted to be around them at all. They holler out to Jesus, and... He hears them, he sees them, he heals them, but only one comes back and says thank you. And that was just like crazy um, gratitude. Then last week we talked about a former prostitute. And she shows up at the Pharisee's house, very much uninvited, and she shows up, and then she begins to weep over the feet of Jesus, and her tears, these crocodile tears fall on his feet. She takes her hair and washes his feet, and then anoints his feet with this very expensive perfume. Crazy, crazy gratitude. And today, we've got a story about a man that you're going to know, and hopefully we can present some new truths to it, hence the sermon title, Gratitude, a short story. I have to tell you, when I thought about that title, I thought about my friend Terry Guest, who always said a long sermon from a short preacher. And it's kind of funny because last week I preached 53 minutes. Ah! Couldn't believe I did that. Couldn't believe I did. And so Trey said, listen, when you hit 45, I'll wave you down. I'll wave you down. I said, Trey, that's just mean. That's just cold. But anyway, so we're going to talk about a guy named Zacchaeus today, a short story. You know, it's, it's, you know, he was just one of those guys that always came up just a little short. You know, you know, okay. They laughed in first service. <laughs> you know, you know, you know. I promise you, this is not a tall tale. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, 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 okay. The long and short of it is this, that Zacchaeus got saved and meets Jesus. That's the long and short of it. And it's just a really great story. And I want you to know, you know, Zacchaeus has this little song written about him. You know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree because the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree. And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down because I'm going to your house today. I'm going to your house today. And that really is kind of, you know, that's just not a true picture. It's cute for Sunday school, but it's not exactly true, at least from the way I see the Scripture. And we want to look at Zacchaeus because it's amazingly big. You know, you know what happened to Zacchaeus? You know, the first song would have been his theme song. Zacchaeus! What in the world happened to you? I got saved. I got saved. Well, well, was it worth it? Hey, listen, he's enough. He's enough. And so he was so excited about what happens in his life. So we want to start out today talking about the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God. Look at verse number 1 of Luke chapter 19. And it simply says this. 
that Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. And what really grabbed my attention was these words, made his way through the town. You see, you know, once again, the psalmody of God proclaims that God directs the steps. Certainly, he, um, he, he directed the steps of Jesus, and I want to teach you today, they also directs our steps. You see, you see the, the day, the, the, the time. You know, Jesus had to go through Jericho at this time. And as he winds through the streets of Jericho, Everyone was directed, every turn was directed by his heavenly GPS. Because there was a certain tree, a sycamore tree, that was planted long before a guy named Zacchaeus needed it. And, and he comes to this tree, and by divine providence, he happens, no, not happens, he directly looks up and sees Zacchaeus there. There was a deploy, an appointment there that had to be kept. So I want you to see, first off, that Jesus entered Jerusalem, and it was intentional as he made his way through the town. So what does our teaching point teach us? All right? It says this. Jesus' path that day. Now watch, watch. Jesus' path that day and yours today are acts of a sovereign God. I love the verse, Psalm 37, 23. It's one of my life verses, you know. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in that way. So God orders these steps, okay? And then, and then it's a path that God delights in. Now, here's the deal. That doesn't mean you're a robot, and it doesn't mean you've got no choice, and you know, all of that. What it simply means is this, is that God makes this path and this plan, and then we get to choose to follow it or not. You know, we have free will. I know some of you are going, yeah, I wish I'd have been a little more careful with that free will thing. Married the wrong guy, got the wrong career, got the wrong job, did this, did that. Yeah, I just wish I'd been a little careful. But the good news is that God does have a plan for our lives and a path for our life, and it's a wonderfully good path. I like what R.C. Sproul said. R.C. Sproul is just an incredibly smart Bible teacher. He says this, there is not one piece of cosmic dust that is outside the scope of God's sovereign providence. In other words, I happen to believe that God created it all, okay, and the smallest piece of that cosmic dust, well, is within the scope of God's sovereign providence. What does the word sovereign mean? It means it means a overarching, overpowering power. It's, it's the all power, okay, and providence simply means this, God's loving care. So, so Sproul is saying that, that all of it, all of this is under God's um, powerful care. And I guess I'm trying to say this. You know, we often, I get a question sometimes. I say, well, what about out there? You know, is there another planet Earth? Is there this or that? Well, let me just tell you this. No matter what is out there, okay, I want you to know something. God owns it and God controls it. Now, do I believe there's another Earth? No. But I'm just telling you, whatever is out there, you remember five You know, if you, if you think somewhere out there, I want you to know God owns it and God does, in fact, control it. So, so we move into verse number two, and we got three points we want to make in verse number two. So, there was a man whose name was Zacchaeus. Remember, he was a wee little man, remember? Okay, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Now, his name, you know, back then particularly, names were assigned by their parents. You know, so apparently, so, so when little Zacchaeus was born, mom and dad looked down at him and said, you know, we're going to call this guy Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus because he certainly looks young and pure to me because that's what his name means. His name meant pure and innocent, okay? And he was neither. 
When he grew up, he was a booger bear. That's why, you know, the song makes it sound like, in all the little Sunday school pictures, you see this little portly, short guy, you know, looks like almost like a brown-haired Santa Claus. And I promise you, Zacchaeus was anything but that. His name meant pure and innocent, and he was neither. Now, here's my teaching point. I want you to get this. You know, as Christians, we should stop claiming or start living the name. You know, over in Africa, we are, we are taught not to use the name Christian. And the reason why is they believe, they, from their perspective, okay, in Western culture, all right, that everybody's a Christian. And then they watch the Western show, the shows, not the Western shows, the shows from Hollywood, and they see, really, can we be honest, it's just a mirror of our culture. But anyway, they see that and they go, oh, so Christians are like that. I don't want to be a Christian. It's so important that we live a life that is worthy of the name Christian. We live a life that is like Jesus Christ. Uh, There's a story, supposedly a true story, that goes all the way back to the days of Alexander the Great. And Alexander the Great had finished a battle, and there were some soldiers um, that had not done well. They had deserted, they had ran, they were cowards. And so he was bringing, he was doing court, you know. So he would bring before them and say, guilty, die, guilty, die, guilty, die, whatever, being executed. And then a young man, supposedly 16 or 17 years, shows up. And for some reason, you know, Alexander the Great decides to show him mercy, to at least give him audience. And he asked him this question. What is your name? What is your name? And the story goes that the young boy, the young man, said Alexander. And instantly, the countenance on Alexander the Great's face changed. And it doesn't say that he was executed, but here's what the story says happened. Alexander the Great looked at him and said, either change your name or change your character. So that's what I'm trying to say here. In a culture that is so down on God. I mean, they're doubting God like crazy. In this crazy culture, we need to start living a name or at least stop claiming the name. Because when people see us living very ungodly, we damage the kingdom of God. Obviously, my choice, our choice should be that we start living the name. So, so before you put on the hat that says Jesus, make sure you're living like Jesus. Before you throw on the shirt that says, love God, love people, or whatever, make sure you're going to live that out because culture is watching. And before you slap that bumper sticker on the back of your car, you might want to think how you drive. You might want to think how you drive. Um, My wife has too many stories about this guy not doing well when he drives. However, saving grace, you won't ever find a bumper sticker on my car. You will not find, because I know sometimes I mess up. I'm not going to advertise out there. So, so we got a, name, a guy named Zacchaeus. And then the Bible says, in the second part of verse 2, you know, he was a chief, chief tax collector in the region. Now, you remember, I told you that, you know, you got the high priest guys, and you got the scribes and the Pharisees. Then you got everyday sinners. Everyday, they were the guys that, you know, just sin normally, okay? But then you got down to the lady, like the lady, the former prostitute. I mean, the morally depraved people uh, in that culture. Then you got down to the tax collectors. At the bottom of the pile was the tax collectors. Notice what this says about this guy. He was the chief 
tax collector, not in Jericho, but in the region. So Zacchaeus would have been at the very, very bottom of the pile. He was notorious. He was notorious. You know, everyone knew the name of Zacchaeus, not because of his goodness, but because he was so, so evil. So he was this tax collector in the region. Um, over in 1 Timothy 1.15, you know, Paul declares himself. You know, Paul, have you ever thought about Paul? I mean, Paul is the guy that had your daddy killed because he's a Christian. He would track down Christians. So he was a very notorious sinner also before he met Jesus. But Paul declared himself to be the, to be the chief of sinners. But Zacchaeus would have given him a run for his money. There's no doubt about it. You know, he was everything, anything but nice. He was notorious and very, very evil. So in the third part of verse number two, then, we have this. He had become very rich. Now, there's in a sea of poverty, there are those who are rich. And guess what? They were the religious elite. They were the high priest. And yes, they were tax collectors. But this guy goes beyond that. He goes beyond rich to very rich. And here's why. His employment was with Rome. And what would happen is, it's kind of like, like the old Amway thing, you know? That, remember that day, the pyramid screen? So, so what would happen is, Zacchaeus, as the chief tax collector of the region, he would get a cut of all the money that the regular tax collectors got. Okay, So he made money off the tax collectors who made money off the people. All right, So this guy was really, really evil, really, really bad. And then, of course, he had his own business, too. He was a tax collector, too. So he not only took from the tax collectors, but he also had his own business going where he, where he robbed from the people. So his employment by Rome was seen as betrayal. Anybody who had worked with Rome was not, was not a friend of the Jews. And this guy was a Jew. Okay, His employment by Rome was seen as betrayal. And his lack of integrity made him a thief. He may have been rich but he was spiritually bankrupt. I know, I know, I know. We see the stars. We see the sports people. We see other people, and they seem to have all this incredible wealth. And you know what we say? They must be happy. They must be happy. Listen, people with money are not necessarily happy. Do you watch the news? I don't, but do you watch the news? How often people, sports stars, how often movie stars end up committing suicide? I saw, I was watching something, it was a documentary, and there was Robin Williams. How many times has Robin Williams made us laugh? And, oh, I know what it was, it was the story about the USO, and he was overseas with Bing Crosby, I'm sorry, with uh, Bob Hope, doing the, and there was, he, he's sticking his head out, smiling and laughing at the troops, and in the end, he hung himself. You know why? Because the answer is Jesus. It's not, it's not money. Listen, it's not money. It's not fame. It's not power. And, and I really think, I think that's what finally led him to this point. So, so, so we see him as spiritually bankrupt. You know, Jesus asked a question one time that I think is so, so important. It's over Mark chapter 8, verse six, uh, 36 and 37. You know, you, know, you know, Jesus says this. He says, so, so what do you benefit? You know, what's, what is the profit here? What is the profit? What do you benefit if you gain everything? What if you could have all the money, all the prestige, all the power, all the titles? What if you had all of that, but in the end you lose your soul? You lose your soul. And then he kind of phrases it differently. He says, is anything worth more than your soul? Is anything worth more than where you spend eternity? That's really worth answering. Now, I know, I know, I know, there's someone here today 
There's another day. Or maybe you're on Facebook this morning. By the way, you're going to miss dinner. You need to come to church. You have to end here and, and come eat. Okay? But, you know, you're saying, Dwayne, what if all this isn't true? What if there really isn't a God? What if there's no Jesus? What if there wasn't any old rugged cross? You know, what if all this is not true? Well, can I answer that for you? Okay. Well, let's assume it's not true. Whew. There is no God. There is no Jesus. There's no eternity. You die, you go in a hole, you rot. Okay, let's say that's true. It's not, but let's say this. Okay, so I get to the end, and I get thrown in a hole and I rot, but I would tell you this. I've lived a great life. No addiction, you know, no, I got food addiction, but not drug addictions. I've never woke up, you know, in my own vomit from being out drunk all night. Um, got a great marriage, got a great wife, I got great friends, I got you guys to call family. I mean, it's been a good life. So if all of this is all there is, done good, done good. But can I ask you a question now? What if it is true? Tracy, what if there is a God? What if there was a Jesus and there was a cross and what if the payment for sin is death? And what if everybody's sin and, and we die without Jesus? What if that's true? Here's the deal. That would mean that I lost nothing and you lost everything. Now, chew on that one for a while. I mean, can I put it this way? Some people act like being a Christian is like having the flu. There are a lot of things worse than being a Christian. Like eternity without Jesus. So, so, before, so, you, so before you throw God under the bus and before you choose to believe what culture teaches, take a look at the book. Take a look at the book and see what it says. Because I'm telling you, it's a big gamble to die without Jesus. So anyway, in verse number three and four, um, so, so this, this Zacchaeus, he tried to get a look at Jesus. We tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short. That's where the whole wee little man thing comes up. Okay, he was too short to see over the crowd. So he wanted to see Jesus. Listen, I don't know what drove him, but I just wonder this. I wonder if he was eating dinner alone by himself because nobody wanted to go to his house. And he said, you know what? There's got to be something more than this. I, I just, I just kind of wonder if you know, he was walking in the park by himself because he had no friends. And he said, there has to be more than this. I wonder if he counted his money for the third time and, and counted it and realized there was no joy. And he said, there has to be more than this. Zacchaeus' wife is never mentioned. Maybe no wife, maybe no kids, no you know, family. And he says, there's got to be more than this. So he heard Jesus was going to show up. Kind of like, remember the 10 guys? Jesus was their last shot. It was, it was you know, without Jesus, there was no physician. There was no medicine. It was dying, dying dead without anything. Well, maybe he heard that Jesus was a game changer. Notice I haven't said church. I didn't say religion. Jesus. Maybe he heard Jesus was a game changer. But he wanted to see him, but he couldn't because he was too short. Now, the next two things that happen are almost incredible. Number one, he ran ahead. Okay, 
In that culture, okay, men didn't run. Especially powerful, rich men didn't run. But something drove him, drove him to cause him to run. And he does the unthinkable and climbs a sycamore tree beside the road. And a tree that we would say, well, you know, was, was it, you know why was it there? You, know, you could say that God put it there. Years before Zacchaeus was going to need it to see Jesus, God made sure there was a tree there. I don't know. Okay? But he knew that Jesus was going to pass that way there. So, our teaching point, whatever the reason, whatever the motivation, Jesus was eager and hungry to see Jesus. I'm sorry, Zacchaeus was eager and hungry to see Jesus. Now, don't miss this. What he doesn't know and what you may not know and our friends on Facebook may not know and perhaps the ones listening on the radio do not know, you know, what he doesn't know is that Jesus was just as eager to meet him. Listen, God is after you, and not to zap you with lightning. He wants to bring you into his family. He loves you immensely. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Man, I'm telling you that Jesus was seeking after Zacchaeus. You see, Zacchaeus was not the hunter. He was the hunted. Hunted. And the hunter was Jesus. So anxious to meet him. You know, Jason Peake said it this way. The story of Zacchaeus is not just about figuring out how to get a glimpse of Jesus. That would be too small. It's about him getting a glimpse of you. Now, I want you to listen. No matter what your life looks like, some of the things that happen in your life, God is maneuvering and working so you can meet him. So you can meet him. All right, so, so in verse number five, Jesus shows up, okay? When Jesus came by, he looked up, and this was an intentional, eternal, life-changing moment. He looked up at Zacchaeus, and what, what did he do? Called him by name. Now, that was not because Jesus knew him in the common way, just perhaps as the Son of God, as the Savior of the world, as the hunter looking for the hunted Divine providence steps in, and he calls him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down, I must. Do you see that intentionality? I must. Not an option. I must. The whole reason, ooh, 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 the whole reason I'm in Jericho today, the, the whole reason why I turned left instead of right, the whole reason I went down and didn't make another turn, I stayed on that road, you know, the whole reason that God put the sycamore tree was there so you could climb it. And, and Zacchaeus, the whole reason I'm here today is because of you. Wow. Wow. Zacchaeus, come down quick. I must, I must be a guest in your home today. Day. How amazingly powerful is that? Now, I want you to see this in our teaching point. You know, once again, Jesus sees what others miss. Culture didn't see the 10 guys with leprosy. They were invisible. This, this former prostitute that anoints the feet of Jesus, she was invisible. Again, no one knew her name. No one cared to know her name. She was culturally invisible. And so was this guy. But Jesus sees him. And Jesus sees you. Oh, gosh. The world sometimes makes you invisible. But Jesus sees you. And 
calls you by name. He calls you by name. By calling him by name, Jesus was declaring not what he was, but what he could be. I mean, Jesus could have said, you dirty, rotten, no good, stinking, employed by Rome, sinner. You've been accurate. It's just not Jesus. Some preachers will do that. Some preachers will do that. Hopefully not this preacher. Hopefully not this church. By calling him by name, Jesus was declaring what, not what he was, a dirty, rotten, stinking, no good tax collector, but what he could be. Pure and innocent. Jesus saw him not for what he was, but what he could be because of God's grace. And I want you to know that's how God sees us. He doesn't see us broken, depraved. He sees us through his grace. Every person in this room, those who have met Jesus and those yet to meet him, God sees through the eyes of grace. He sees through the eyes of grace. Verse 6. So Zacchaeus quickly climbs down. And then he took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. Keep in mind, you know, Zacchaeus' house would have been a lonely one. The only ones that were there had to be there because they were paid to be there. And all of a sudden, this young rabbi says, I must go to your house and be a guest. I've got to be there. So, so you know, Zacchaeus is so excited that someone's coming to his house. But the people were displeased. Oh, the people. <laughs> The people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, the worst guy in town. In fact, the worst guy in the region. He's eating dinner with sinners again. That's just what he does. The last verse that we're going to look at says, He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He's looking for us. He looked for me one day and he looked him for you today. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner they grumbled. There's always the grumblers, aren't there? There's always the grumblers who are not happy because of the way things are. This could be that way with culture. I want you to look at me. Dorisville Baptist Church or whatever church you belong to today. You need to take this message back to your church or bring it to this church today. Okay? Number one. So, if the church chooses to ignore the sinners, then culture looks at us and calls us hypocrites. Yeah, you say you love people. You say you're like Jesus, but you want to invite those people to your church, whoever those people happen to be. Oh, you like the ones who are like you, but what about the one who's not like you? So the culture would ignore them and culture will call us hypocrites. Then, of course, if we embrace them, if we invite them, then the religious people will say, yeah, you're compromisers. That's why they call Jesus a wine-bibber. <laughs> you're compromisers is what you are. Allow those people to come into your church. No, we got to decide what's it going to be. Is it going to be you know, them or them or him? <laughs> I prefer him. I prefer him. Can't, you just can't go wrong following Jesus. It may not be the easiest path, but it's the best path. Well, there's one word in our scripture. You see it there? 
Meanwhile, so while the grumblers are grumbling, okay, and saying, yeah, he did it again. He's having lunch with sinners. He's doing that, okay, meanwhile. I don't know what happened in the meanwhile, but it was wow. Because whatever Jesus shared in the meanwhile, while the grumblers were grumbling, resulted in Zacchaeus being born again. It resulted in the salvation of the most notorious sinner in the region. Well, how do you know that? Because what we read. Look what he says. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord. Now notice that, by the way. Lord, and said, number one, I will give half my wealth to to the poor. Now, first off, I preached this scripture plenty of times in 40 years. That was what jumped off the page at me. The the money grabber became a mercy giver. The money grabber became a mercy giver. And so, so as a sign of what's happened, he has this intense gratitude that leads to intense generosity. Now get this. The very rich guy in a sea of poverty says, half of what I own, I'll give to the poor. That's got to be a Jesus moment. Only Jesus could cause that. Wow. But he's not done. He's got this generous gratitude thing going on. And then, and if I have cheated people on their taxes. I I kind of of cute they said if. You know, if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. So if I took a dollar more, it's going to be $4. If I took $10, it's going to be $40. If it was $100, it's $400. See, see with Jesus, not only comes incredible generosity and gratitude, it comes repentance. This is, this is a sign of his repentance. His repentance. In fact, let, you know, let's, look, let's look at the verse there, our teaching point. The change in Zacchaeus was both immediate and extravagant. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Let me become perfect. He's a new creation. Old things pass away. The money grabbing, stealing, thieving. Old things are passed away and all things become new. Half of what I have I'll give to the poor. And then if I've stolen from anybody, I'm going to reimburse them fourfold. So he showed gratitude by his generosity and repentance don't hear that word often. Repentance by returning what he had stolen. You know repentance. It means going this way and turns around this way. It means thinking like this to think about that. It means doing what I want to do and choosing what God wants me to do. Um, It's choosing to to live my own life and giving my life away to him. You know, that's that's repentance. And And this man, this notorious sinner who is touched by God's grace, experienced that. And he's instantly changed. He's instantly changed. How am I doing on trade? Trade, where am I at? Four minutes. Okay, well, I've got to be careful, guys. You've got to be careful. Hey, I'm on turkey, too. Okay, so, so the guy in our, that family came forward in first service. Okay, four, we're going to have four baptisms. Brent, December the 18th. Mama, Daddy, and two kids are going to be baptized. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Woo. So Daddy said... Here's what Daddy said. Daddy said, you, Dwayne, you remember what you said about the change thing? I said, yeah. He said, it's true. It's true. I, I didn't want to know God, didn't know anything about God. 
He said, I was like a total hermit. That was his word, hermit. But then I met Jesus and I found out I can do this. I can be amongst people. It's incredible. And then his wife, Amber, spoke up and said this. She said, Dwayne, for 16 years, I've prayed for this. For 16 years, I prayed for this. It was a hallelujah wow moment, just like this was. Just like this was. It was just amazing. All right, all right, all right. So verse number nine, verse number nine, okay? Jesus responded. Here's the big word, salvation. Not religion, not I'm going to start going to church, not I decide to keep the rules, not I'm going to turn over a new leaf. Salvation. Salvation has come to this home today. For this man, this notorious sinner, this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Talking about a change. I mean, you know, you know, that's why I said the first song, I got saved. I mean, you know, Zacchaeus wanted to talk about what had happened to him. What happened to him? And then verse number 10. Jesus closes speaking to those around. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who were lost. You know, I've got, I've got John 3.16 down to preach, uh, I think Christmas morning. Um, but do you ever read 17? For God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. This whole condemning thing we do, that's religion. Jesus came that they might get saved. Not condemn the world, not judge the world, but that through him they might be saved. Well, here's the deal. The last teaching point there, Nance. You see, I, I know I've already said this, Zacchaeus wasn't seeking Jesus. Jesus was seeking him. And if you're here today, I want you to know something. He's seeking you. Uh, a long time ago, and it may be offensive to some, I don't know, but they called Jesus the hound dog of heaven. The hound dog of heaven. You know, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, Jesus is seeking you today. Not to zap you. Not to condemn you, but to forgive you and to love you. And for all of us who've already, I already know that, Dwayne, I know that. Remember it. When you leave this place today and you go out there, remember what he's done for you. Remember he died for you. Remember he forgave your sins. Remember and then be willing to live and share that so others can experience what you experienced. One encounter. Zacchaeus only had one. One encounter with Jesus Christ is enough to change you instantly and forever. That's the power of the gospel. It's not the power of of religion. It's not the power of being Baptist. It's the power of the gospel. It's the power of the blood. It's the power of the sacrifice. It's the power of redemption. It's the power of rescue. It's the power of God. So today, We always close with the time of the decision. If you're here today and you've never come to that conclusion, like Daniel did in first service, I told him, I like like casual language. You know, for all these years, Daniel did not, the guy in first service, didn't know God, didn't know anything about God. His His family was not religious. He didn't go to church. And then he bumped into Jesus. Jesus wants to bump into you today. Jesus wants to bump into you today.
And he wants to love you and forgive you. So that's our first thing. The altar is going to be open this morning. Brent will be standing down front. And if you'd like to bump into Jesus and him bump into you, then why don't you come? And we'd love to share that information with you. For the rest of us who know Jesus, you know, remember that he bumped into you. And then make it a point this week and from this point forward to share that good news. To share that good news of what he has done for you. I promise you Zacchaeus became a member of the choir. I'm sure he's saying I got saved. I'm sure he's saying the other two the songs that we sang. Jesus, you're enough. You're enough. You're enough. Certainly a day to be grateful. To have gratitude. To have crazy gratitude. Would you bow your heads please? Thank you so much for your patience. I think I'm almost on time, Trey. Not 53 minutes worth anyway. <laughs> um, but anyway, so this is our time of decision. Brent will be standing down front. I just want to pray for us. Um, and then you come. I'm going to tell you what let's do. I'm going to let you stay seated. I know it may make it harder for you to move, but that's okay. Um, it'll also make it easier for those of you who know Jesus to be praying. I'm asking God to help you take this message out the doors today. Um, so we'll do that. And um, then in the end, I'll let Brent, I think, come up and tell us what we're going to do after that. Father, you are so, so good. I just want to thank you for the privilege of sharing this great story today. Thank you, God, that the most notorious sinner in town can be saved by grace, that there is no limits to your grace. The greater our sin, the greater your grace. So thank you for that. If there's someone on Facebook or on the radio or, or in this room today who needs you, give them the courage just like Zacchaeus did whatever necessary to meet you that day, give them the courage to step out. God, for all of us, all of us, help us to choose the Jesus way over every other way. As culture, as it becomes more unpopular in religious circles and in culture circles, help us to do the right thing, which is to be like Jesus. So I love you. I thank you for this privilege. In Jesus, I pray in your precious name. Amen.